This podcast is brought to you courtesy of Renault, the world's most exclusive sunglasses. The spring 2021 portfolio of Renault sunglasses is now available at renault.co.uk and at select boutiques around the globe. You are listening to the official concept podcast. Enjoy listening to Alan. Today on the show, we're interviewing Max. Welcome. How are you? Oh, I'm wonderful, Alan. Thank you for having me on. No problem there. Thank you so much for being a guest on the show. I am actually a really big fan of your work. No. Yeah. It, it, it's amazing. It really is. I, I, I show a lot of my friends and they're also very, very impressed. My goodness. I mean, I, I, wow. I, um, thank you. I, I don't think anything truly prepares you for, uh, <laughs> admiration of something you've just can kind of been doing on your own, you know, when you're doing it, you don't really appreciate it or really understand what you're doing is a so like next level. And when other people say, Hey man, what you're doing is really unique and different. It, it, it really does catch you off guard. Oh, it really does. You spend so much time so up close. You know, your your viewpoint is so skewed to uh, the, the the kind of the gravity of your work until you actually see how it affects others. I mean, that's that's art incarnate, is it not? How do you stay motivated with your passion for art while maintaining it as a living? How do you keep yourself from burning out? Whoa, no, we're hit. We're hitting the uh, the hard the hard questions first up, aren't we? <laughs> um, <laughs> That's, oh, man, my friend, that is, a, that's a difficult one. That's one that I feel like I'm working on every day because it's, it's, it's constantly a challenge to continue to be engaged and fully committed into the, the vision or, or whatever piece of work you're, you're working on because, oh, there's things that will get in the way, like uh, all of a sudden you're terrifyingly over budget or <laughs> suddenly there's a, there's a change in inspiration. No, you're no longer supercharged on this current piece of work and now you're excited to do something else. And, but you have to maintain that discipline. Oh, Alan, it is a constant struggle. I think if I was to, it's honestly just boils down to self-discipline. Um, I'm, I'm quite hard on myself, so uh, I don't feel like I, uh, <laughs> in my voice, in my inner voice, I'm not allowed to uh, delineate, if if you will. <laughs> when you do want to go into a secondary project, how do you keep yourself to focus on the main one? Even even though if you have spent a very long duration uh, on it and you're you are burning out, how do you how do you keep on track? Oof, yeah, that final like. Oh, I'd have to say probably that last 10% of a piece of work is, is just a grind. It's so easy at the beginning when you're first designing the piece of work and you're just absolutely you know excited about every piece of it um, from ordering the steel, now cutting it, now forging and welding. And you know, just it's so much fun at the beginning, but then <laughs> you it really begin, begins to ascend uphill very quickly by about that 80%, 90% mark. And I feel like uh, most of the work actually takes place at that final 10%, that final grind to, to put a bow on it because for at least for me, and I don't want to speak for anybody else, but for me, it's finally standing by your work, actually saying that it's done, stepping away. It's so challenging. When I talk to people, when I tell them that my, my background is in professional photography and videography, 
they say, I would love to do that. That sounds amazing. But they don't understand the discipline and the hard work that's behind it. Sometimes I really do wish that I didn't have any ambition. And I, I wish that this, this fire inside of me never existed because it's ridiculously terrifying always having to push yourself into darkness. At the end of the day, creativity is work. When this is something that provides you income, you have to push yourself to the next segment where you're not just doing it for the fun of it, you're doing this for the betterment for other people and, and yourself. Oh my goodness, Alan, you absolutely nailed it. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Like I, I, I get all the time, like, oh my goodness, you're living my dream. Or, uh, you know, I bet you don't feel like you, you work a second in your life. You're just kind of, you know, like you're doing what you love. Oh, it couldn't be further from the truth. Oh, I wish you, you, you absolutely nailed it. Um, yeah, like how, how easy I feel like it'd be so much easier just to be able to to snuff out that flame to extinguish that that ember of, of just I don't know what that that pull that magnetism towards being creative. It, it's suffering. Oh, my gosh. It's, it's really tough. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it does it's get painstaking. Yeah. Not only that, in no way am I saying that we, um, you know, have like a very bad uh, time because, you know, we are working on our passions. So, you know, it's like yeah. I can oh. work easy at night because it's like I am working on something that is big and provides entertainment for other people. So it, it does have self-worth, which is which is great. I, I'm so utterly grateful to have a the, you know, the, the, the being able to physically do the work. You know, not everyone has that, you know, uh, on their side. Being able to imagine the work, not yet. Even fewer people have that on their side. You know, like I am eternally grateful for my gifts, but uh, it doesn't mean it's easy. <laughs> the thing that kind of drives us. I can say this with full confidence. I am not naturally talented at anything. When I was younger, there was nothing that I was good at. Photography, I was terrible at video making, writing, trying to even talk. I wasn't even confident. And now it's like this, the amount of skill set that I have because I, I, I am able to keep on pushing myself and tell myself that I'm not good enough and I have to keep on learning and pushing myself up. The fire that's behind me is always getting better and pushing myself, but it's like a double-edged sword. <laughs> Oh, Alan, you nailed it yet again. Um, there's a there's a quote that Denzel Washington once said. I don't know where he found it from, but I got it from him at least. Is that you get good at what you practice. And I've never forgotten it. I've, I think I stumbled upon that, oh, probably 15 years ago. And I'm eternally grateful for him because, oh, you, if, you, if you just cut corners, if you, uh, you know, if you just give up, you know, if you take these easy road, roads out, um, you're not going to improve. And oh my gosh, like I, I don't, I, I never even graduated uh, passing algebra one in high school. It just made zero sense to me. I had such a hard time in school. And, uh, but now I'm, I'm doing pretty hardcore mathematics in, uh, in all of my work to, to engineer these pieces of work when things weigh tens of thousands of pounds you know, you're really crunching some numbers. Yeah, and if you're off, it really affects everything. Yeah, you know, you, you can't you know, have someone get crushed by something that failed or something like that, you know? It, like, but yeah, it's, we're never born with all of our skill sets. That's kind of the beauty of life, right? You know, we, we're here and we're learning and constantly polishing our own lens. What do you think the change was when 
you were younger and you were failing at the subject, well, not failing, but I mean on a, on a lower grade to now where you are doing extreme mathematics. Oh my goodness. Um, and yes, you can definitely say fail because it was a capital <laughs> F if minus if it could be. Oh goodness. Yeah. Let me think here. There was never a turning point. It was always a progression. It was always a, a winding road. Uh, one thing would inspire me that would lead to another. It, I feel like if there was this huge eureka moment, I would have probably ignored it. The fact that it happened so slowly over a matter of years, it's still happening. Um, just, I don't know, having those interests and curiosities, I think, honestly, now that I'm thinking about it, just being curious, just being a, just a naturally curious person led me to, to so many of these ends. What was the push that started being a full-time artist? And has there been a moment in your life that you wanted to give up? Oh, plenty of times. Uh, oh, I could, I, I'll tell you, oh gosh, where do I even begin? Uh, I'll, I'll start with one that, about when I was about to give up and then I'll go back to kind of where it all began. So I kind of, well, actually, you know what? I'll start, I'll start, let's, let's flip that. I'll start when I was a kid. <laughs> okay, that's all right. The main driving force for me was uh, a, a lot of pain, a lot of isolation, um, kind of had a kind of a rough childhood and, uh, imagination was my only escape from it. You know, I was, if, if I can just create my own world, I don't have to experience this one and the hardships it comes with. And I wouldn't now do just that. I would ever since I was a, Oh gosh, ever, ever since I could honestly think I've, um, you know, taken deep dives into my own mind and created characters and stories and uh, pretty much my own personal Narnia or never ending story, if you will. Those are, I guess, you know, proper uh, visualizations, but um, yeah. And I was just, you know, to hell with this world. I'm just going to create my own. <laughs> and, uh, but that kind of drove me to creating. I was always drawing for, since I was like, I, I could hold a pencil. I was always drawing. And, and that was a way that I could bring what I saw in my mind into this world, which was for me, a very magical concept. Now that I look back at it, and that's still what I'm doing today is I'm, you know, you know, diving into my imagination and then returning with something, you know, an artifact or a uh, piece of architecture that was there, but now it's here. And then there's this kind of profound understanding that uh, I get quite manic about, <laughs> you know, it, it's, it's this level of acceptance. You know, I didn't grow up really with uh, a lot of people understanding what I was, what I was kind of um, going, going through, but there was definitely a moment where I was wanting to give up. I'll never forget it. I was uh, probably 19 years old and I was, uh, I was building this beautiful Art Nouveau uh, handrail into this massive walk-in river rock shower and, and bathroom in this inn. And it was, it was, it was a beautiful space. It was unbelievable. And these, uh, these handrails curved, like it was like a running river, you know, like all of this movement. And it was actually a, a pretty profound piece for my development. You know, I really did a lot of experimentation on, uh, on moving steel on that job. And I'm very glad I did it, but I'll never forget. I was there all day and it was at like nine o'clock in the, in the, at night that I was there installing it. And then once it was all installed, I handed the owner the invoice and he looked at me like I've dropped in from outer space. And it was, 
wildly inexpensive, completely cheap. I worked for free and, uh, and he, he, he wouldn't pay me and he, he ended up paying me half. And I remember, <laughs> so I overdrew my account, my bank account to put gas in my truck, uh, the week before just to try and make the installation date. And then I was already out of gas in my old 78 Ford and it was at nine o'clock at night. And I was like, I had nothing left and I was broke. I, I, you know, the, the banks were closed, so I couldn't deposit my half check. And I remember just going home and just bawling my eyeballs out and just pretty much screaming at the top of my lungs in my truck, just letting it all out. I was uh, pretty hopeless in, in several moments of my life. And that was definitely one of them. Um, but now I'm, I'm so glad I endured. I think that it's fantastic that you have. It's very interesting because the majority of my friends who are the most intense artists, and this, in, this includes you. I think you're a really nice guy, by the way, and hopefully oh. we could be friends in the future. Oh, like, please, yes. <laughs> uh, one of my other really good friends, Cohen, who was on one of the previous episodes, and he creates this intense artwork as well. All the same reason. It's like we've, we've all had very, put it in a better perspective, interesting childhoods, including myself. Mm -hmm. I found that we all kind of got through, you know, all this strangeness is by being able to open up this other segment of our mind of reality and be able to experience it and show people what we can do. Oh, 100%. Exactly. It's, yeah, it's, it's, it's a survival tactic, you know, we're just trying to make it and it's very isolating. It's intensely, intensely isolating. And I feel like, a lot of the art, you know, artists that um, kind of come through that are creating their art form just to simply communicate because they've been so isolated their entire lives. With my photography and videography, I'm not saying that I'm the best in any way. What I do is that I show people the way that I view uh, either uh, like landscape photography or, or portraits if I'm dealing with individuals, nature. And so I can edit it with the type of colors and the type of style on the way that I feel at the time. Yes, absolutely. Isn't that just, Oh, that's beautiful. I, yeah. You're able to share your perceptions. I mean, like how amazing is that? And the fact that you stuck to it and uh, you know, learned these, these disciplines. I, I love it. That's fantastic. I love the viewpoint. For everybody who is trying to get into the creative world, you need to be able to set yourself limits when you're dealing with clients. Because I've been, I've been, I've been burnt so many times when I was first starting out. Oh, and I and I've heard of so many photographers and videographers, uh, you know, like in wedding industries and stuff like that, um, getting burned so bad, and it, it, it's it's just terrible, it's deplorable. Um, and yeah, like I, I totally relate. Um, I don't think there's ever honestly been a job that I didn't lose <laughs> probably months, months of, of labor, you know, just so often I'm uh, always kind of investing my time is, is for instance, if, if I build this, I'm able to show people what I'm capable of, even though they can't afford it kind of a thing. And that's such a terrible place to be. What, what did you start off originally with? I started, yeah, my first mediums were definitely, uh, it was drawing, just pencil drawings. I was, and it was usually nerdy stuff, you know, like a, 
this you know, muscle-bound barbarian riding a dragon wielding a battle axe, you know, as it breathes fire, <laughs> that kind of stuff, you know? Very boyish, silly things. Um, but I remember having full, full-blown full meltdowns as a kid. Um, you know, we're talking from probably four on up. Full-blown meltdowns as a kid when I wasn't being creative, when I wasn't exhaling some type of art form um, and feeling like physical pain. It was the most bizarre thing. And, and of course, then, you know, it it worked its way into wood and now I'd, you know, make birdhouses and these super elaborate lizard castles with, you know, I'd catch a bunch of blue belly, blue belly lizards and have them run around in this very elaborate <laughs> labyrinth that was probably about like 10 by 10 made out of like taped together water bottles and stuff. Cool. <laughs> oh, it's just, wow. and of course they would huddle into one and they all die. And it was, it was really tragic for me. <laughs> kind of more boy, boy stuff, uh, tree houses, you know, that, that type of thing kind of grew up a blue collar sort of lifestyle. So that those were the tools at my disposal. Um, and then uh, about like high school, like freshman year, about like, you know, 12, you know, 13, 14 years old, I, uh, I had access to a welding class in my freshman year. And uh, that, that was truly amazing to be able to, to shape metal was, was truly like an awakening for me. Um, and it's funny in high school, at least in my high school, it's like either vocation, vocational training, or it's college. And college was wildly outside of my, outside of my reach. So vocational uh, training was it. <laughs> um, but I never looked back. I took the steel like fish to water. And um, that's when I started to realize several years of welding, w- winning welding awards, you know, going to, um, you know, national, national st- uh, competitions and uh, in winning things, you know, because I didn't grow up with many means. So I was able to, to win welding hoods and cutting torch kits and all that stuff. And it was, I was, for the first time in my life, I felt like I was on the right track. And then years later, I, you know, you know, probably one or two years later, I, f- I found out that, you know, you can get the steel hot and then you can move it. You, know, you can do, make it do whatever you want. And that was suddenly when the rabbit hole was <laughs> opened from like a pinhole to now just a plummeting fissure. And then that was free falling ever since. What was the first project that you worked on? Oh, goodness. Um, well, I was always working on things like, so I grew up on a cattle ranch and we always had equipment that needed repairs, additions, that type of thing. So my first welding program, you know, uh, sorry, welding projects were equipment. Um, and also started a, uh, when I was about 14, 15 years old, I opened my first business building, um, really high end barbecue pits and smokers. I really enjoyed that because that was the culture I was raised in very barbecue kind of ranch style very redneck uh, centric um, <laughs> culture. That's that's all there was in my town, and um, I think my, the first actual art project I ever made was this beautiful flower. <laughs> it's funny. My mom still has. I made it for my mom, <laughs> and uh, it's this vine that goes, you know, that rises up to about four feet tall, and then it blooms into a flower, and then there's all these forged leaves all around it. I actually. Um, coated it in copper and then patinaed it. So it's the, it looks like ancient copper would be those beautiful verde streaks and shining copper color. Um, there's, you know, cute little hummingbirds and things all, all flowing around the, uh, floating around the, 
the flower itself and butterflies. And yeah, it's still at my mom's house. That was my first uh, true <laughs> like metal art project. What, what flower was it based on? It was just something out of my imagination. It looked very, it was like flat, almost like a bird bath, if you would, with forged um, petal. And then there was a bunch of, uh, oh gosh, what do you call them? Like the stamens, you know, like little pokey bits that pop up, like a very uh, tropical looking flower. What do you dislike but, about the art world? Is there anything you could help to change it? Oh my goodness. What do I dislike about the art world? I, it's funny. I'm such an outsider to art in general. I, um, I don't even feel like I've even seen the artwork or art world yet. You know, like I always love whenever I visit a, a, a new city or something like that, I always try to go to as many art galleries as I possibly can. Um, and I love it. I love these, these fabled works, you know, these uh, truly revolutionary works that uh, ripple throughout our culture. But one thing I, I wish that we did a little bit more in the art world is to celebrate current artists and not wait until they died <laughs> to then finally celebrate them. Collaboration and communication. I Oh, you know, like, to be able to swallow a little bit of, of, of ego and, and pride and to, to really listen to somebody else, especially if they're, if they're any way related to your body of work um, is so important. Like there's a local artist here um, and we have coffee as much as we can. And it's funny too, because we actually get on each other's nerves quite a bit. I'm, <laughs> I, I really do try to be as, uh, Oh gosh, you know, as, is uh, I, I, I really like to get along with people and it's really hard to not get along with me. Um, you know, I get along with most people and it's funny. We, we ended up like, it's just, there's so much energy. There's just so much energy coming down. It's, it's, it's uh, calamitous. And, and like everybody in the, in the coffee shop is like looking over at us like, Holy crap. Do we need to like, <laughs> is this a problem? <laughs> <laughs> oh man watch out no no but it's so good it's so reinvigorating um there's a there's a mentor of mine uh bob bentley and we have never physically collaborated like our, our work has never touched but our minds and our spirit oh my goodness our conversations it's my he is so a little bit of background bob bentley he is like i said he's one of my greatest mentors he i never learned from him I don't even know how he does most of the things he does. Um, and I feel like that kind of creates this beautiful mystique around, around his work for me. And, but the perceptions are so the same. Like he is probably in his, you know, he's in his eighties, but he still works like a mule. And he is just, his, his mind is as sharp as it's ever been. He's a scholar. And to just be able to have a conversation with that man is, is just, an absolute rocket ride. It's amazing. How, how often do you talk to him? Well, now that I'm thinking about it, I'm probably going to call him right after, <laughs> after oh, this interview. There's <laughs> <laughs> just such a love and admiration, you know? With most creators, including myself, we always criticize the work we produce. Is there oh, anything uh, you can't stand about your own art? <laughs> Not so... Mm how long it takes. I drive myself crazy because I'm so deeply focused and detail oriented. 
I drives me crazy. I wish I wasn't so such a perfectionist to where every, I don't know, every piece of grind ground steel. I, you know, if I, if I even, if I could even tell that there was ever a grind in the, in the steel. Oh, I just drive myself crazy buffing every little scratch out of it. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Um, I, I despise how long I, I, I make my work take me. I could hash it together, but it's just so deeply against my principles. So you see yourself as more of a perfectionist when it comes to your work. Oh gosh, it's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> have you ever released something where you're not really that happy with, where you feel like you could have done more on a project? Uh, oh gosh, all the time. Well, <laughs> I, like I, I, I must um, add a disclaimer. I'm, I don't feel like I'm ever really done with a project. <laughs> so it's almost all of them. I, I don't feel like. It's like, oh, I, I, I could have added this. I, this could run a bit smoother and I just drive myself crazy. If, if somebody spoke to me the way that I speak to myself, oh, it would be war. <laughs> <laughs> I, I feel the exact same. Like, that's how you I understand. Can, I know it. That's how I can do so much because without a doubt, I am the worst person to talk to in my own mind. <laughs> like, it's the worst. What is with that? I think when you're very heavy on yourself it does spark more of a flame and then you can release a better product but then the other thing is this because the the product is actually in your mind and you're slowly producing the end goal because it's in your mind it's on this unworldly expectation okay so say maybe like let's talk like uh, the hobbador i'll be there and i'm looking at all the things you know that i i, I wish i did differently or i, I changed and I'm over here beating the hell out of myself. And then someone, you know, admires it. And, oh, this is really beautiful, very wonderful. And there's two things that could happen. Either in my mind, I'm like, oh, they just don't, they just don't know what they're looking at or what have you, right? Something horrible and negative, this evil, terrible voice. But then there's another magic, magical thing that happens is like, you know what? Maybe they're right. Maybe I'm not a complete and utter failure. You know, maybe... I'm just still being a little bit too hard on myself. And to them, this is absolute magic. This is alchemy. Um, and I've, in my year, in my like last probably five years, I, it's always a work in prog progress, but I've been trying to listen to what people say a lot more. You know, these words of affirmation and these, you know, just, I used to think I was like, well, you fool, you just don't see it. But but now it's like, no, 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 they see it. They see what it actually is. I'm just looking at it in these very ridiculously small details. And I'm not looking at the entire picture. It, it's a work in progress, my friend. You know, I'm not, I'm no master at it. How perfect can it really be? Yes. Oh my gosh, exactly. When is that supposed to be ticked off? Usually when you're being a perfectionist, you're usually probably... At least for me, I've, I've been working for free for the last two months. So it's like, it needs to be done. It needs to get out of the shop. How do you deal with extreme criticism? I, okay, so I, I'm very new to social media. I thought, it was, I thought it was silly. I thought I was just kind of, I don't know. I, I treated my work as a, oh man, uh, yeah, as an, as an artist, primarily through word of mouth. And I, I thought I thought social media was just narcissism. And in some ways, probably it, it is. But 
the the reach and the absolute um, rockets you can put behind your work to send it out into the world. Oh, I, I wish I would have gotten started a lot earlier, but um, yes. So I read every single comment out of thousands, tens of thousands of comments um, because I'm truly interested in what my, my, my viewership has to, has to say. Um, and I, I think that is completely because I am blessed by a very positive following. I don't know how I got so lucky, but everybody is extremely positive. I don't know if it's maybe the, the tone of the work itself. Maybe, maybe it's the way I, I explain the work or who knows what, but I'm very blessed by a very positive uplifting community. But yeah, there are definitely those, uh, <laughs> those oddball comments that, yeah, they hurt, you know, and out of, out of a hundred really beautiful comments that um, really warm my soul those 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 ones out of every 100 uh or even a thousand really hurt and i shouldn't you know pay them any mind you know it's 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 their choice to be negative um and it, you know it's it's my choice of how it uh i react to it but yeah it, it hurts <laughs> the way that you come across is genuine and i think that's why oh. a lot of people like you because they see you as somebody who's really passionate about their own work and very creative the atmosphere that you bring off Wow, Alan, thank you. Um, it, it's I, I just I'm, it's deeply humbling, is what it is. You know, it's 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 just really amazing, and, and it's funny too because I'm starting to realize that you know my work isn't my artwork; it's it's our artwork. You know, and uh, in just really kind of diving into the philosophy of what the creative arts and visual arts kind of are are, are meaning. You know, like I'll build something in the shop and then it'll mean X, Y, and Z to me. But then I let it out. You know, I, I let it out into the community, uh, to a client, into social media, what what have you. And then witnessing what they make of it. And it's it's such an interesting phenomenon because it begins to take on a life of its own. And then it's no longer just mine. It's now everybody's and I've, I'm fascinated with that process. It's really, it's really interesting to me. It's one of the reasons I really want to get into more public, public sculpture and public art and, and uh, like community driven uh, puzzles and artworks that, that will drive people to be a little bit more communal when it comes to it, you know, sharing a, uh, sharing a perception or sharing an experience. Yeah. It's an, an emotional attachment, our very own emotional response to these, artworks right it, so then it's no longer my own it's it's everybody's seeing your work is so hands-on and visual do you think there will be a future in nfts with your designs mm. or will you always keep it traditional so i'm an extremely tactile person uh very archaic if you will <laughs> i uh feel like maybe i i got time warped out of a <laughs> out of the, the, the wrong junction when I was, uh, when I was born or something, but, um, <laughs> uh, like I'm even shocked. I was technical to even be here today. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, but, uh, I, I don't know, like I'm not one to say no to opportunities, to new ways of expression, you know, like who knows, maybe I'll get into 
oh gosh, expressive, you know, expressive dance. I don't know. You know, like I, I like experience. I love life. So I have a group of friends of mine that are really into crypto and they're really urging me to get into NFTs this early on. And I believe them, you know, I, I don't understand it whatsoever, <laughs> but um, I'm going to, I'm going to give it a, I'm going to give it a swing, you know, uh, either it be some of my draftings. Maybe I, I've also thought about uh, how fun I, I love stories. My, uh, my mom means, uh, means a lot to me. She was actually one that kind of taught me how to use my imagination and supported it. You know, like I, while everyone else was extremely, extremely hard on me as a kid, she really uh, kind of nurtured my imagination. I'm in, in, I'm forever grateful for it. Um, but stories, like she used to read me the Narnia, you know, like all the Narnias um, at my bedside and read like the Hobbit and stuff like that. And I have such a passion for stories. And I think it'd be really fun to somehow incorporate artwork and storytelling with nfts so i don't know I'm, I'm playing with some ideas i'm playing with some ideas alan <laughs> really interested to see how everything goes because with the next segment of society with cryptocurrencies and, and nfts it's it's very interesting well, are you interested because you you're a visual artist yourself if you're wanting to purchase nfts i think that right now is a great time the beginning stages of major companies releasing nfts uh disney just released their nfts Pixar, Marvel, DC, so they're all releasing NFTs right now. So it's a great time to pick them up. In history, when people in the next 10 years look back at this, there'll be a big market for these original NFTs that are coming from these big companies and brands. Right, yeah. It's like watching and, this new birth of a stock market or like, honestly, like a, a, a new age gold rush, if you will. However, if you're, if you're producing artwork, and if you're trying to sell your own niche, maybe waiting until there's a little bit more set for the foundation platform for selling is a little bit more tedious and difficult. In my opinion, I'm, I'm going to be doing it in the next one to two years. Well, that makes me happy because uh, I always feel like I'm, I'm one step behind. So I'm glad that I have some a moment to uh, kind of prepare. <laughs> um, this is just off the top of my head because yeah. you know how you were saying that your um, content's all tactile? and it's all hands-on. So do you know uh, there are these companies that, can, that have uh, these spheres, right? And they have all these uh, digital cameras uh, surrounding them. I don't know if this is an actual thing. I'm just, I'll, I'll look into it later if you want and I'll be able to send you more information if I can find anything. Are you, but, are you heading where you, I think you're heading? Are we talking like 3D modeling, like a 360 yeah. degree image? Yeah. So what could happen? Oh. Is that, yeah. So what could happen is that you get your finished, completed design, send it to this place. They take the full-on photos of the 3D modeling, and they make it into like um, into a file, and then you can put that 3D render up on as a, a NFT. And then when the metaverse does come out, or a uh, virtual reality system comes out for everybody, then in their like room or what have you. There could be a piece of your artwork there, but it's fully um, like it looks the exact same as it would in real life because of the detail. I love this so much. I'm writing it down right now. Uh, <laughs> well, that's just that's just off the top of my head. Uh, I'll, I'll send you some more stuff if I find it. But um, yeah, wow. <laughs> that would be really really cool. Wow! And then when metal 3D printing arrives, they can purchase the uh, 
<laughs> the file and then print themselves out their, their own copy of it. Who knows? What, what I'm gathering from what NFTs are going is that it's giving artists selling power. That's number one for me is like the arts just have, have really kind of been beaten down. You know, we're definitely not, we're, we're just not there. And um, the fact that you know, artists can actually make a living, a decent living, uh, I'm all for it. You started a GoFundMe to build the dream shop. What would you do with the land once you gather the funds? And what is the direction for your next stage? Oh, my goodness. Yeah, this whole, man. So I was working in the shop. And all of a sudden, um, so yeah, next next to my workshop, there's a an empty lot, just 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 an acre, um, and I, and I've always kind of maintained it because I didn't want you know the <laughs> the owner wherever she was to um, you know to all of a sudden get a letter from the county that there's there there needs to be weed abatement and then her just go up and sell it right, so I made sure like keep it prim and proper. But then all of a sudden, a bunch of people started coming by the uh, that empty lot and checking it out, and I found, later found out that it was up for sale. And man, I started to scramble, freaked out. Tried, you know, because that would be truly the next step um, in, in, of the development. So yeah, I'm trying to buy this this lot next door. It's for eighty thousand dollars, and I'm very proud that I was able to buy my house and my shop. I mean. It you know it cost me two mortgages, but it's I'm very very proud that I've you know got come this far at least on my own with my own two hands in my own craft, you know that that's a that's a huge element of pride for me, without asking for anything. Now this property next door, of you know eighty thousand for the for the uh, the property, which all goes to animal charities, which is amazing, and then building a shop, which is extremely expensive that was just so wildly outside of my, my dreams that I never even, never even attempted to, to dream that big before it was, it's always been a necessity, but they just, yeah, the, the, the opportunity was just never there, but with the following on TikTok, I mean, goodness, if 30,000 people donated five bucks, we would have plenty to, to do all of these things. And then the coolest part about that is then I could actually, host big workshops, um, train apprentices, being able to uh, really make the trade a lot more accessible and also really kick my work into high gear. You know, because I, I feel like I haven't even come out of second gear uh, with my work. You know, I really, I really have no idea what I'm capable of if I was able to, <laughs> to actually have space to work and be able to build things that I I'm tru truly capable of. And how is it going by the way? We're almost up to uh, 18 grand. Oh, fantastic. Amazing. So I have the property locked in for six months. So at this rate, we're looking all right. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm just really jazzed and and very much like you, I'm very much a minimalist. I, you know, like, my truck has over 300,000 miles, you know, like repair everything. Like I, I have very little interest in a lot of money. So this is definitely not a money grab or anything like that. I just, I, uh, I'm just very excited to what I could offer people if I had that opportunity. And I'll definitely share it too. Oh my goodness. Thank you. It's, it's, it's been a very humbling experience, like asking for help. I've never, I'm always excited to give help, but 
asking for help is a really firm kick to the to the pride. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it does it to you. <laughs> it's tough. I, I hate it. It's the, it's the worst. <laughs> what has been your most dangerous situation with creating a piece? Oh my gosh. So my, as you know, my workshop is, is dinky. It's like 12 by 30. And I was able to build a 10,000 pound rolling Hobbit door uh, inside of it. And there was just, there was no room around anything. I had to, it, it was, I had to pretty much like monkey or like a uh, jungle gym my way through the, oh my God. <laughs> the uh, through the piece itself. But there are so many, so many terrifying moments where I had several tons uh, underneath, well, say lifted, uh, lifted up um, from a hoist I built. And I'm underneath it, of course, pulling on the chains and trying to back my trailer up underneath it. But I think one of the most, you'll get a kick out of this. One of the most uh, dangerous moments I've had in my shop was when I was offloading a uh, 3,000 pound piece of steel, uh, just a big steel plate. It was one inch plate. Almost, it was almost a 10 by 10 and I was going to use it as a flat table to build things on, you know, um, being able to make something flat and true on that steel plate was just going to revolutionize my work. And it did. So I had on a, on a, just a single axle trailer. I, the, the tires were all about to explode. So I, I figured it all out. I greased up, uh, the railing, the rails on the trailer. I, <laughs> I hammered down cleats into the wooden deck, you know, a foot down so that I can take a digging bar and push it off the back. Everything was going perfectly to plan. I was unloading this thing by myself and I had my truck in park and it was, you know, is down facing down a hill. And the second the, uh, the steel plate was heavy enough on the back, back of those axles, it lifted the back of my truck up. And so also the merchant brake. So all of a sudden I'm rolling downhill on top of the steel plate on top of the trailer going down the hill. And, and how much weight did you say that was on that? Oh, 3000 pounds. And so that's, so that's going down with you. So. Oh, everything's going down and I'm riding on the back of this thing <laughs> like a magic carpet. And how, how did you not die? Oh, I don't know. I have no idea. It actually helped me out a little bit. Like it actually caused enough drag, like the plate <laughs> hit the ground and the truck rolling downhill with me on it on the on the trailer. It caused enough drag to slide the trailer out and then oh, it like unloaded it almost like a dump truck. Scared the life out of me. I was like white as a ghost. <laughs> did you continue working after that? Or of course did you I did. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. We'll be here all day talking about these terrifying, sketchy moments in the shop. <laughs> and you just, you get, you're just like, yeah, just another day on the job. Yeah, <laughs> just, just, you know, take that one. Like I said, I can't ask for help. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. If, if you're not going to do it, who else will? Well, exactly. And the worst part is, like, I'm out in the country, so if, I, if something rolls over my legs or something, I'm going to be there a while until someone finally hears me calling out. <laughs> You know, <laughs> oh my <laughs> You're crazy, man. <laughs> yeah, a little crazy. Um, but hey, you're not in front of it. It's not dangerous. <laughs> Blacksmithing has got to be the most brutal way of producing art. Tell us a story of how you became the artist you are today. And what advice would you give to people starting out in this path of creativity? 
Ooh, that's a good one. Um, I, I was always, I, I, I don't, I don't know if you know this about me, but I'm, a, I have a kind of a high energy, fairly aggressive personality. Man, Steel was perfectly suited to, um, to my type of person. Um, you know, like I like to, you know, put a lot of strength into into my work. I like to put a lot of energy into it, phys- very physical energy. Um, where maybe like painting on a canvas or working with uh, clay to do cast work it isn't isn't exactly burning burning all of that energy that I, I kind of need to exhume when I'm uh, when I'm being creative. So that off the bat was kind of a perfect match. And uh, if if I can give any advice of of somebody that is naturally creative, but they don't know what medium to pursue or how to, oh my goodness, or how to portray it. Or, you know, I feel like to be an artist, you have to actually be creative in so many different mediums. You know, you can't just be creative in, in the one thing you're good at. If I can give anybody any advice, I would say figure like, I don't know, write down five to nine things, six to nine things that uh, you're good at you know, like that you're just naturally gifted at. Maybe it's about like, oh, I don't know, public speaking. Um, maybe it, uh, you know, visualizing, like for, for you, for instance, like knowing which angle you want before you're even, you even see the other side of it, right? Having like a very three-dimensional grip on reality. Uh, you know, being able to create something very complex in your mind. Like it, it's taking, I feel like it's, it's, it's a constant journey, but I've definitely compiled several things that I am naturally good at into my work. Uh, like, like for instance, being able to imagine very complex things in my mind in high detail and be able to cre- recreate it. Um, and then now learning, you know, how to like actually be personable online. So where actually the work has a face. Um, yeah. And just, you figure out what you're good at. Um, and they could be wildly unrelated, but you'll be shocked and how you can connect those dots into a wonderful constellation of a career. <laughs> What's in the future for you? Oh my goodness. Well, um, so there was never a plan. <laughs> there, and I'm also just not a planner. I'm just, I, I just, I, I do things, right? And um, the future, oh my, my, my perfect future, let me think, is straying a little bit further, like further away from commissions, unless they're you know, extremely special for me. Um, I love commissions. I love to challenge my perceptions to dive into somebody else's lens and create for them. Right. That, that's, that's a lot of fun for me. It's a, it's a really interesting challenge um, to skew your own creativity into somebody else's kind of world. Right. But to get away from doing commission work that has gotten me this far and to be able to just solely build what I see. I've never almost in my entire life have just been able to go, just really like let it out. Um, so that would be definitely tremendous. And works mainly on very emotional pieces, very similar to like the, the marble metamorphosis that I built with the shattered marble and uh, forged stainless steel. You know, really emotionally charged human human style pieces um definitely gravitate towards that that's always been my dream um very i'm I'm a very emotional person so being able to express these really 
significant feelings through physical art would be a dream, but also, especially also, <laughs> um, uh, like creative communal works where I would build. Okay. So like, imagine, imagine a massive, like 12 foot, beautiful sculpture, but it'd be a table and it's a, it's a, a massive labyrinth. Think pinball, pinball meets a maze and labyrinth. Right. But it takes like, you know, a, a dozen people to, to make it work. So it requires collaboration. And I'd love to just gorilla art that thing into parks or um, into like, oh, I don't know, LAX or the Exploratorium in San Francisco, just to observe people working together. And especially, oh my gosh, this place of, uh, of travel where people from different ethnicities, people of different, not, not even common language, solving puzzles together and, you know, playing, you know, as adults, we, we get so far away from play and it, it just drives me crazy because, you know, that, that's when the, your inner child really goes to die. And, it, and it's really sad, you know, as well as music, music pieces um, where I would have several installations that are near each other, but that one person can't play all at once. So, it, you know, to have accompaniment, because I, I'm, I'm a music lover myself, to have accompaniment, you know, you, you could have people play music together and, um, you know, like, I just, I just want to see people explore to challenge what they, they think of the world to see something new. For instance, sorry, I'm, I'm going to ramble here. <laughs> I was invited to a wonderful uh, party. It's kind of a pool party of sorts in the, that rolling hobbit door goes into this unbelievable wine cave. Um, you know, this crazy stonework, it's, it's, it's gorgeous. And I kept hearing all the gearworks in that thing, ticking and rolling and then start back over. And for like five minutes, I was like, what the heck is going on? You know, because it's, it's hand driven. Someone's, I thought maybe some kids were messing with it. So I, I peeked around the corner and I saw this couple that were probably in their mid sixties opening and closing it. And they were just like, trying to figure it out and just like kind of like looking at it, like what the hell am I even looking at mm -hmm. and I came over and I and I didn't introduce myself I was anonymous and I asked them to explain it to me and that was one of the most magical moments of that like that was the payoff that that door took me a year to build of painstaking work and obsession and it all was so worth it when I saw them like their eyes were aglow with imagination and possibility. And in listening to them describe it to me was so, so wonderful. Oh, I just want to see that. I want to see that more often. I want to see people be shocked. I want to see people in awe if I can inspire it. I want to see people play. I want, I want, yeah, I just, people, people really inspire me. Thank you so much, Max, for being on the show. Are you kidding me, Alan? This has been a joy.